Our reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts and chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we're beginning at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you and through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of this fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, 
God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. We give great thanks to God for his word. Amen. Brilliant. Well, if you were with us uh, last week, we, were, uh, look, we started to look at the story of Pentecost, and uh, we called it the dangerous story of Pentecost, uh, because we said it was rather dangerous uh, what was happening. And, uh, and we looked last week at the, uh, the promise of Pentecost. We saw how uh, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come, but also that the Old Testament prophets promised that one day that God would pour out his spirits on all people. And then we looked at a picture of Pentecost, and uh, we talked about Pentecaos. And, uh, and we, we, we talked about the wind that blew in and the, and the flames and the, and the fire. And then the people being given this gift of being able to speak in, in different tongues so that everybody could hear them speaking in their own language. So it was a kind of chaotic scene that the picture was being painted. And then we saw the posture of Pentecost. And uh, we noted that they were all together. Uh, and they were all in one place. And we talked about the importance uh, of being together and being in one place. And we talked about the fact that the Spirit brings people together. It doesn't separate. It doesn't cause fraction. The Holy Spirit brings Christians together in unity. And uh, so this week, uh, we're continuing in, in, in the day of Pentecost. It's still Pentecost. And we're still in that season of Pentecost. And we are continuing uh, to look at the story. And this week, uh, we've got Peter's... Pentecost preach. We're going to be looking at Peter's Pentecost preach. Okay. The thing about Pentecost, it wasn't just uh, Pentecaos. Uh, you wonder what the, uh, the health and safety people of our days would have made of it. Uh, probably not very much. They'd have probably, uh, they'd have probably torn their hair out at everything that was, uh, was happening. And then, of course, uh, the message that Peter brings... Uh, isn't really very politically correct, is it? Uh, or not very PC uh, in what he says, and we're going to be exploring that this morning. But I'm, I'm going to use that uh, PC to help us uh, through this, uh, through this uh, message. So I've, I've got a few PCs for you uh, this morning. And uh, the first PC is that the, uh, the Holy Spirit, when it fell on the disciples, it gave them the power to preach clearly. The power to preach clearly. This is uh, the first 
sermon that is recorded of the church. The church was born at Pentecost, and this is the first sermon. And, and somebody's worked out, they've, they've, they've obviously read the, read the passage and, and they've timed it, and they reckon it took Peter about three minutes uh, to preach this sermon. I can't promise you that my sermon this morning is going to be uh, three minutes. I'm, 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 I'm with uh, Beryl in kind of uh, numbers, you know, three minutes, 30 minutes, three hours. Uh, it's just noughts, isn't it? Added on, what difference does it make, hey? The power to preach clearly. And it's interesting to notice where Peter starts. Um, because he begins his message by answering a question that the people are asking. What does this mean? Remember at the end of uh, uh, chapter 2, uh, sorry, in verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does it mean that we can hear uh, these people speaking in our own tongue? What does it mean, this, this wind and this fire? So Peter's starting point is answering a question that people are actually asking. One of the problems in the church is sometimes where we, we answer questions that nobody's asking. And it made me think, I wonder what is the question that people are asking today? What is the question that people are asking today? Just turn to the person next to you and uh, just think for a, a couple of moments. You know, what sort of questions would people ask today um, about God um, about church. What is, what is, what is the question that people are asking? Just have a little uh, buzz a minute and, and just see what we can come up with. What sort of questions are being asked today? I'm not going to give you very long, so I'll be, be quick about it. Okay, any ideas? What sort of questions do you think people will be asking today? What sort of questions? Any ideas? Just throw them out. Can't be wrong, can't be wrong. Is the life after death? Okay, yeah, good question. Who, who is God? Who is Jesus? Who is God? Who is Jesus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if there is a God, why is why is there so much suffering, so much trouble in the world? Any any, any others? Why bother? Yeah, we 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 we, we don't need God. Uh, we've got everything that we need. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's good, isn't it? To think about you know. Um, Peter's given the power to preach clearly, but he starts by answering a question that people are actually asking. What's going on? What's happening? And so Peter says, well, let me explain to you. Let me explain to you what's going on. And sometimes, you know, we do need to explain things, don't we? We need to explain things to people about God because people's knowledge of God is quite limited. Uh, no longer can we presume that people went to Sunday school and, uh, and learned something about God. Generation after generation now has grown up and they know very little about God. And Peter says to the people, let me explain to you uh, what's going on. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. As I was doing a bit of research on, on, on this passage, one, one person writing about it said, you know, uh, when, when, when a sermon's being preached, it's not just the responsibility of the preacher. Uh, to, to, to make sure that the message get, gets out. There's, a, there's actually uh, something on the people that are listening. P Peter says, listen carefully. Jesus often said, you know, for those who have ears to hear. And so there's actually some responsibility on the people listening uh, 
to receive the message. It's just not on the person delivering. I found that quite comforting that all the pressure is not on one person. That actually you have a responsibility to be listening to what God might be saying. Um, maybe even through a person like me. So Peter stands up and he's going to try and explain to people what's going on. And part of our role in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is to simply be able to explain to people in, in very simple language, uh, you know, who God is. Is, is, is the life after death? You know, why, if, if there is this loving God, why do things go wrong? You know, we have to be able to have an answer and explain some of these things. And Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit, when he came, would empower us to be able to give an answer to those who have questions. So, the power to preach clearly, and we pray, or I certainly pray, uh, for that gift uh, in my role. But also, uh, you also need that, that ability to be able to speak clearly um, about Jesus. Of course, one person says, well, aren't they just drunk? Aren't they just drunk? And again, uh, Peter's not upset about this. You know, sometimes, you know, when people, you know, criticize uh, something. Our, our first response is to become all defensive and get and get very upset about things, isn't it? Oh, what are you suggesting? What are you saying about me? And, and, we, and we get all on our high horse. Um, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Well, Peter answers this question all, again. He addresses this. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. He's having a bit of humour there, bringing a bit of humour in, which, of course, we appreciate. You know, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, Jewish people wouldn't have eaten or, or drunk by this time. No, what is? No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So before he even starts to, 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 to get into quoting what the Bible says about what's happening, he recognises, he hears their questions, he answers their questions, he also deals with uh, the accusation that maybe these people are just drunk and that's why they're all so giddy and excited. And he takes what they say seriously. And we need to listen to what people are saying, even if we don't like it. Sometimes people will be critical of the church. Sometimes will, people will be critical of Christianity. And there's lots of people who are, are ready to slate Christianity and say, oh, it's, it's Christians and it's religious people that are causing all these problems in the world. And, and we need to not get defensive about it, but we do need to kind of explain to people in a, in a nice and, and clear way what it is that, that we have come to understand and to know. And Peter does that by referring to this prophet Joel. And of course, Peter wouldn't have been like us. He wouldn't have had a, a Bible. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have said, now take your Bibles out and, and, and turn to the book of Joel because they didn't have those in these days. The interesting thing is, is Peter's quoting from the prophet Joel from memory. And uh, some, some people are quick to, to comment that he doesn't get it exactly right when he's quoting the prophet Joel. There's a, there's, a few, there's a few mistakes, and I think we can forgive that and accept that when you're quoting things from memory. But again, what a good idea it is we keep emphasizing this idea of, 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 of memorizing Scripture. Because, you know, you might be at work, or you might be in a conversation with somebody on a bus or a train, and you might need to bring a passage to mind. I don't know about you, but I've had that situation where I've been speaking to somebody and suddenly this passage has just come into my mind and I've been able to quote it, maybe not word for word, but the gist of it to help and encourage people. So we need to get to know scripture to be able to preach clearly. So that's what Peter does, the power to preach clearly. And uh, in explaining to, to the people, 
He talks about what the prophet Joel says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those last days and they will prophesy. And what Peter's saying here is he's pointing out that that normally uh, the spirit of God was kind of the, the property of priests and prophets and, you know, special holy people who uh, were empowered by the Spirit. And what Peter's saying is, look, this is a new thing that's happening. God's Spirit is now being poured out on ordinary, everyday people. And, you know, we need to hear this, because sometimes, even even today, uh, you know, we, we, we sometimes categorize people, oh, this person's very spiritual. You know, they, 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 they've got the Holy Spirit, this person. As if, as if, again, the Holy Spirit was only for certain, certain special individuals who are, who are seemingly more spiritual than others. And one of the things that Acts chapter 2, when, when the day of Pentecost came, one of the things that I'm, I've, 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 I've kind of highlighted is the fact that everybody received the Holy Spirit. All the people. And, and, and even Joel says, you know, it will even be poured out on men and women. And we think, well, well, well so what? But, in, but in, in, in Joel's time and even in, in Peter's time and the disciples' time, uh, the women weren't even allowed in, into, the, into the temple with the men. And so the idea that God was pouring out his spirit on men and women, on young and old alike, was really quite radical. And of course the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. All believers can and do receive the Holy Spirit. It's not just for the special elite spiritual people. And this is what Peter's explaining to the people. This is what's happening. God's Spirit has been poured out uh, on all people. And that's why we're acting just a little bit crazy. And isn't it good that sometimes, you know, let's recognise, you know, that people thought the early Christians were either drunk or mad or crazy or whatever. And sometimes, actually, that can be quite a compliment to us. You know, if people think we're crazy for what we believe, uh, we're just following in the footsteps of the early followers of Jesus because it appears to be absolutely crazy uh, what's happening and what's going on. So the power to preach uh, clearly, let me explain to you. And, and then, of course, it, it goes on to uh, continue to quote, The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As I said, it's not a very PC message because, because Peter's talking about the fact that... Um, these are the last days, and by that he didn't mean like last days in there's only a week to go. We've all seen the man in, you know, Manchester with the, you know, the end of the, the world is nigh, you're all doomed. He wasn't talking about uh, the last days as, as it, it was intimate, but he was talking about in, in the last days, in that now that Jesus had lived and died and risen and ascended to God, these were now different days. These were the last days that the Old Testament spoke about. And uh, there would be a judgment that is coming. Uh, but the good news is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And so when somebody asks a question about life after death, you know, we've got an answer that the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says it in all sorts of different places. Most famously in John 3.16, we have an answer to that. And we can take people to Scripture and we can show them what Scripture says about life after death. We can do that. 
And we don't need to do it in a judgmental way. We can just say this is clearly what scripture says. And we can allow other people to decide what that means for them. We don't have to try and force them to believe or pressurize them. We can just say, look, this is what scripture says. What do you think about that? So, the power to preach clearly is given to Peter. And then secondly, my second PC is the power to proclaim Christ. The power to proclaim Christ. Um, Peter again says, men of Israel, listen to this. He's trying to get their attention. He's he's wanting them to listen because he's going to say uh, something very important. Jesus of Nazareth was the man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you know as you yourselves know. In other words, everybody had heard about Jesus where where Peter was. Everybody knew what Jesus... There was no question about whether Jesus had performed miracles, whether he'd healed people. Today, people question these things. But they were so close to the events and the time of Jesus that everybody knew, nobody denied that Jesus had amazing power to be able to do these things. Even the the quarrel was where he was getting the power from. If you remember, uh, at one stage, Jesus was accused that he was only able to do this, you know, by the power of... Beasible, uh, rather than the power of God. There was no question that these things were happening. And Peter saying, look, this man was accredited by God by what he did, because what he did, nobody else could do. And he proclaims Jesus. He talks about Jesus. And uh, he says, again, using scripture, he says he's proved by the Holy Spirit. He says he's presented in person. He says that prophesied by David and uh, proclaimed by Peter. Peter talks about his own uh, experience. I can tell you confidently, he says, um, what he knows. He talks about uh, Jesus. So the power to proclaim Christ. And, uh, you know, when was the last time we actually had a conversation with somebody about Jesus? When was the last time that we actually brought Jesus into a conversation. Do we even feel comfortable talking about Jesus with people outside church? The Holy Spirit gave the early church the power to proclaim Christ, to preach clearly and to proclaim Christ. And again, we need to pray for that same Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us to be able to speak and to proclaim Jesus. And we need to learn of, of ways to talk about Jesus that don't make us look weird or old-fashioned or archaic, but quite natural. And that will only come if, we, if we're constantly talking about Jesus. You know, if somebody says, well, why do you go to church? What's that all about? Are we ready with an answer to that? Have we got an answer? Or are we kind of flummoxed and, and floored by a simple question? Well, why do you go to church? What's that about? What, what, what do you believe? Would we be, would we be stalled or, 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 or find ourselves having absolutely nothing to say? We need to think about these things and we need to pray about them and we need to be ready to give an answer. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when it came at Pentecost, what did it do? Yes, there was these, there was this Pentecost, there was the wind and the fire and the flames, um, but it wasn't just about a spiritual experience. It wasn't just about a spiritual experience. So often, you know, Christians chase after these spiritual experiences. And so often, the Holy Spirit now is limited to giving people spiritual experiences within the church. It's very clear to me, as I look at the day of Pentecost, that 
this Holy Spirit came to empower the church to be able to go out and to preach clearly and to proclaim Christ. Um, Nigel uh, uh, N.T. Wright says, says this about Pentecost, because you see at the heart of Pentecost, the coming of a spirit, it's all about the launching of the new temple in Judaism, heaven and earth overlapped in the temple. But now, says Luke, Jesus is the one who has taken earth in his own person, his own human body, right into heaven. And as the Father welcomes the Son into his rightful seat as Lord of the world, he pours out his Spirit upon Jesus' followers so that they can both be an accomplished new creation in themselves and in the world. And then N.T. Wright goes on to say, this is the solid rock on which the Christian mission is built. And this is why on the day of Pentecost, Peter's sermon isn't about how people can have a new spiritual experience. It's about the fact that God's new day has dawned at last. The great and glorious day of the Lord spoken of by the prophets and about the fact that the crucified Jesus has been exalted as King and Lord over Israel and the whole world. This is what Pentecost was about. This is what the Holy Spirit was about. Jesus had left earth, again in quite dramatic ways. He had been uh, taken up into heaven in the ascension. And he's now ruling in heaven with God the Father. But he gives the Holy Spirit to enable his followers, his believers, his church to continue that work of Jesus. Remember this book is being written by Luke. Luke, the author of the third gospel. In the gospel, he told, he told of the work that Jesus began to do. In the Acts of the Apostles, he tells of the work that Jesus continues to do by the disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is available to us today. The power to proclaim Christ. And then thirdly and finally, the Holy Spirit gives the power to produce converts. The Holy Spirit gives the power to produce converts. Again, there's a question that comes from the people that are gathered. There's a question that comes, having heard Peter preach, they ask, you know, what shall we do? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do in response to what you have said? And again, Peter has a very clear and decisive thing that he knows what to say. He knows what they need to do. Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off. The Holy Spirit gives the power to produce converts. In other words, we're not going to produce converts uh, by ourselves. Uh, you know, we can work away, we can, we can do evangelism, we can go knock on people's doors, we can del- deliver leaflets, we can invite them to evangelistic events. And those are all good things to do. I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing them. These are all good things to do. But it will be the Holy Spirit that convicts people. The Holy Spirit working in people's lives. It's only through the Holy Spirit that people can actually confess that Jesus is Lord. And so, uh, the Holy Spirit. And so, that should give us more confidence in our, in our evangelism and in our mission. Because it's not down to our feeble efforts. All we need to do is to pray 
that the Holy Spirit will be working in the lives of the people that we're trying to reach. And that the Holy Spirit will be convicting people so that when we actually speak to them or invite them to an event or talk to them, um, the Holy Spirit is already working on them. That's why it's so important that we pray for people, our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, people that, that live in this neighbourhood. We need to be praying that the Holy Spirit will be at work on them because it's the Holy Spirit that produces the power to produce, produce converts. And uh, those who accepted his message were baptised and uh, about about 3,000, I mean, who's counting? You know, who's counting? There was about 3,000. Um, and we just say, wow. Do you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I've, I've not got the faith for, to see 3,000 converts in Lund. I've not got the faith. I've not got the faith for, to see 300 converts. Well, we're, not, we're knocking off noughts now rather than adding on. Um, I've probably not even got the faith for 30 converts. Uh, but maybe three, maybe three, maybe about three, uh, maybe a few more. And um, actually, I'm not sure that's a lack of faith. It's, it's probably uh, realistic because of, I don't even know if there are 3,000 people living in, in Lum. Um, but, you know, if we saw three converts, it would be, it would be just as amazing as those 3,000 converts. And uh, that's why we need to pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work. Because the Holy Spirit is at work. And he's, he's at work inside the church, but also outside of the church. And we need to be looking, where do we find Pentecost today? Where do we see Pentecost? Where do you and I see the Holy Spirit working today? Because when I said, you know, we're still in Pentecost, there's a sense in which we're still in those last days. And the Holy Spirit is still amongst us and working in us and through us. But he's also out there in the world working amongst people. And we've got to find out where do we find Pentecost today? Where do we see the Holy Spirit at work today? In the lives of non-believers, working on them, uh, convicting them. And uh, so that we can come along like Peter and say, well, this is what you need to do. You just need to repent. Again, not very PC, repent, is it? Because like somebody said, we're, we're okay. We think we're okay. People think they're okay. So the gospel is never going to be politically correct. It will always be a little bit offensive to people because we're saying to them that they need to turn and change from their sinful and corrupt nature. It's interesting that, that, that Peter talks about a corrupt generation that they were living in. And uh, we think with everything that's going on with FIFA and everything else and the, you know, politicians and bankers, we still live in a corrupt generation and people still need to be saved. Uh, that's not changed because we're still in those last days. And so, uh, at Pentecost, um, the Holy Spirit came and it gave the disciples the power to preach clearly, the power to proclaim Christ and the power to produce converts. And we pray that same Holy Spirit will fall on us and empower us to do exactly the same thing that those first disciples did.